I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish. To put your hand on your heart and close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for five seconds, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well. And so it is. Take another deep breath in. Hold it for five seconds, and exhale out loud. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. All right. I would like to give a shout out to、uh, the listeners that took the time to email me their questions. I really appreciate it, and it's for the benefit of the other listeners as well. So well done! A couple of listeners asked why it is important to improve、uh, their relationship dynamics. Well, where do I even begin? So maybe I could use Rachel Pace's blog again. She mentioned that 
changing your relationship dynamic can help you to get along better. Uh, that's for sure. She also mentioned that a healthier relationship dynamic can prevent you and your partner from separating or breaking up. That's true as well. Improved couple dynamics can make you happier and more satisfied with the relationship. And not just that. Remember what I mentioned about that research? Happier relationships, happier you, and you live longer. Or I should say you won't shorten your average lifespan by four years at least. You will feel more heard and understood by your partner if the dynamics in the relationship are positive. And improving your relationship dynamic can increase intimacy. Apparently, a joint study by researchers in Florida State University and the University of Auckland found that communication patterns can help couples to solve conflict more effectively. Well, it makes a lot of sense to me. For example, it is beneficial for couples to use cooperative communication and to remain affectionate when resolving small problems. This demonstrates just how important healthy dynamics in a relationship can be. So audience, I think this demonstrates that healthy dynamics in a relationship really go a long way. And that's why it's important to work and improve on your relationship dynamics. Okay, and another important question that I would like to answer is uh, what other ways to change your relationship dynamics? And I am happy to hear from a few of you practicing uh, the tool DESC, D-E-S-C, to practice assertiveness. So I am glad this has been helpful. So another way to change or improve your relationship dynamics is stop avoiding conflict. The relationship dynamic of avoidance is one of the top 10 complaints of married couples, romantic couples, according to several studies. So stop it. Find the courage to feel the fear and do it anyways. Do not avoid. And I'll just give you another one is to be open to sharing your feelings, meaning to be vulnerable. Be brave. Find the courage to be vulnerable because it is through vulnerability that we connect. Otherwise, we will not be able to connect. And when you don't connect, there will be no deep, meaningful relationships. Most couples in committed relationships desire this from their partners. Sharing feelings helps to be assertive and prevents avoidance in the relationship. Okay, I trust I have answered your questions. If not email me and let me know, okay? Personality. Each of us has a personality, a unique 
and enduring pattern of inner experience and outward behavior. We tend to react in our own predictable and consistent ways. These consistencies, often called personality traits, may be the result of inherited characteristics, learned responses, or a combination of the two. Yet, our personalities are also flexible. Why? Because we learn from experience. As we interact with our surroundings, we try our various responses to see which are more effective. Now, the key word here is responses. That means we will respond rather than react. Only children react. So I urge every listener out there to raise your consciousness. This is a flexibility that people who suffer from a personality disorder usually do not have. So let me repeat. We learn from experience, and as we interact with our surroundings, we try our various responses to see which are more effective. And this is a flexibility that people who suffer from a personality disorder or disorders usually do not have. And I definitely will introduce you to some of the more common personality disorders that can cause or create unhealthy relationship dynamics. In short, personality defines us and how we interact with the world. Now, although there are different theories about what personality really is and how our basic personality traits are first formed, the general consensus is that personality is shaped by early life experiences and tend to stay stable over time. Now, according to the most widely accepted model of personality, there are five basic personality dimensions that can define us as individuals. And in the psychology world, we call them the big five traits. They are openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. They have a cluster of related traits that shape our emotions and behaviors in a wide variety of situations. As a matter of fact, a lot of the personality assessments are designed around these five traits. Recently, I came across another article written by Romeo Vitelli, PhD. The topic is, can you change your personality? He mentioned that the personality traits we have as adults tend to grow out of the kind of temperament we had as infants and toddlers. Much like the big five adult personality factors that I just mentioned, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism, 
Dr. Vitali said that there are also different kinds of temperament that seem to arise out of the interaction between our genetics and the upbringing we receive as children. So it's often the famous debate on nature versus nurture. And to be honest, based on my decades of professional experience, I am leaning more toward nurture than nature. Dr. Vitelli also wrote, and I quote, Differences in temperament can also influence how children are treated by caregivers and children their own age. This can result in children having life experiences that can reinforce early differences in temperament and lay down the kind of personality they have as adults. It can also lead to their developing dysfunctional personality patterns that can develop into full-blown personality disorders later in life. That said, personality changes can still occur depending on new life experiences. People who have experienced severe emotional trauma or life-changing events can experience significant personality changes as well. Even the kind of social roles we take on can change personality. First-time parents or people heavily invested in new jobs can find themselves becoming more conscientious as their new responsibilities force them to change how they think, feel, and behave in general. People in new romantic relationships can find themselves becoming more conscientious about their partner's well-being as their perspective on the world changes. As our lives change, so do our personalities. Unquote. Well, I guess people can no longer blame their personality for their behaviors. Because Dr. Vitelli continued to write, Simply growing older can mean significant personality changes. Well, I think this is good news. As we become more mature, we usually become more agreeable, conscientious, and develop greater emotional stability. As we grow more comfortable with our sense of self, our personality can change as well to match how we see ourselves. With this in mind, many different treatment methods aimed at dealing with personality disorders, such as antisocial or histrionic personality disorder, usually involve teaching patients how to alter destructive personality patterns. These personality patterns are often extremely difficult to change, but it may depend on how motivated people are to try. I definitely agree with uh, Dr. Vitelli that over the course of our lifetime, we often become more agreeable and conscientious due to greater emotional maturity. So, is this just a natural part of aging? 
or do our personalities change because we work to make ourselves more agreeable and conscientious? To be honest, recognizing that personality can be changed can lead to more effective treatment for people with personality problems as well as those who are resistant to change. All too frequently, clients insist that they are incapable of change when actually they are either unwilling or afraid to try. Well, one thing we have to bear in mind is that a number of research out there, their results are based on self-report and also the length of time involved was likely a bit brief to ensure permanent personality changes in many people. Having said that, people appear capable of altering personality traits if they are motivated to do so and take part in psychological interventions that can help with the change process. So clients saying, I can't help myself, just may not be a valid excuse after all. So other questions like, how does personality develop? How exactly do we become who we are today? What factors play the most important role in the formation of personality? To answer these questions, many prominent theorists developed theories to describe various steps and stages that occur on the road of personality development. Of course, one of the prominent theorists is Sigmund Freud. According to Freud, the basic driving force of personality and behavior is known as the libido. This libidinal energy fuels the three components that make up personality. He coined it the it, the ego, and the superego. The it is the aspect of personality present at birth. It is the most primal part of the personality and drives people to fulfill their most basic needs and urges, such as physiological needs and other urges that we may have, particularly as an infant. According to Freud, the ego is the aspect of personality charged with controlling the urges of the id, and forcing it to behave in realistic ways. And the superego is the final aspect of personality to develop and contains all of the ideals, morals, and values imbued by our parents and culture. This part of personality attempts to make the ego behave according to these ideals, the ego must then moderate between the primal needs of the id, the idealistic standards of the superego, and reality. Okay, you may think that Freud's model of personality is a bit too theoretical, so my advice is don't worry too much about it. Since we use the word ego so often, 
so I thought it may be a good idea to let you know where it came from. More importantly, I want you to have a basic knowledge of what personality is, because starting next week, I am going to talk about the more common personality disorders that is causing us havoc. So until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. You can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O.com. dot com.